this episode of Full Nerd, Ryzen 9 X3D Hot Talk. Welcome to a special episode of the Full Nerd. I'm your host, Gordon Mong, with special guest, David McAfee of AMD. Howdy, guys. Well, Good welcome. to see you. Welcome. <laughs> welcome, Dave. Adam Patrick Murray sitting next to me. Yeah, I'm sitting here at the, the, the big boy table. I get to talk to David. <laughs> David, thank you so much for being here. Very, very excited to chat with you. And it's great to be here. And Willis Lai is running the uh, board today. That leaves me in the kids table slash producer chair. <laughs> <laughs> It happens, but uh, yeah, we're you're 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 live from uh, you're you're out in Texas, right? Yep, live from Austin, Texas, here at uh, at AMD's headquarters in Austin. So uh, nice, uh, nice spring day here. It's like humid and hot, and all of the things that you would expect in Texas in March. Oh wow! I, I just didn't think about the humidity. I've never, I don't think I've ever been there and had to deal with the humidity. Ooh. So that must be humidity mm. is the worst. You should come in the summertime. No. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> good for the skin that is true i think it's i prefer that to the dry weather of the mountains so i have some uh, family that live lives in the rockies i'm, I'm glad you're here now, for people to know uh, uh, uh david mcfee is the amd manager of desktop it's he's got an official title that sounds a lot fancier a lot a lot fancier than that uh but you're essentially your overlook is uh, over the desktop processors right that's right. I, I run our Ryzen desktop business for our, our DIY and component channel uh, products that we produce. So anything that you buy and, and assemble into a, a, a Ryzen desktop system, those are products that uh, are all part of the portfolio that I'm responsible for. Oh, okay. You know, and of course, um, by the way, if you don't know, last week, the Ryzen 9 X3D parts launch, uh, highly, highly awaited after the announcement at CES. Um, you can review our reviews on it. Uh, we did one for content creation, one for gaming, power consumption, all that stuff. You know, and honestly, uh, I was pretty happy with it because I feel like from what was presented at uh, CES, pretty much I, I feel like AMD sort of hit all the, the points that was presented to me uh, as a reviewer and looking at the performance. But there's a lot of uh, questions that are out there that people want to ask. And I, I think if I had to boil it down, the one comment that I, I see everywhere repeated on Twitter and write it in every single form you can is, uh, I'm going to ask you, David, since you're the, I got you here, but uh, this is the number one, I think, is why was the Ryzen 7 7800X3D delayed? I, I uh, actually would say it wasn't delayed at all. Uh, it is It is right on time. It's right where we planned it to be. And I think if you rewind the clock and look at, you know, when we launched our 5800X3D, the the one and only X3D part in the in the 5000 series product family, um, the next step after that product, we knew we were going to do 7000 series X3D products, but doing those multi-CCD products, the 12 and 16 core products, um, there was a lot of engineering work that needed to be done to really get the performance dialed in, work through the way that that product operates uh, with the operating system to ensure that we were getting both maximum as well as consistent performance across a, a wide range of workloads. And so really, um, when we, when we you know, kind of rolled that team off of the 5800X3D development, it went right on to 7000 series, um, you know, two CCD parts, so the 12 and 16 core parts. So that work just naturally proceeded, the work that had to be done 
on the the 7800X3D, the single CCD eight core part, um, which arguably, you know, from an engineering standpoint is much more similar to the 5800X3D. So our goal, and I think we heard it, um, we heard it quite often when we launched the 5800X3D is, you know, those users who wanted more than just a great gaming part, those users who wanted a part for, you know, maximum content creation or, or kind of those users that are normally gamers but do some content creation they wanted those 12 and 16 core parts and so that's where we put a lot of our energy um first in the 7000 series and that's why the 5800 x3d trails by a little bit okay and good well i'm just gonna say so uh the w- one of the things that we heard when the 5800 x3d came out was wait why don't i have this on a 5950x right uh so exactly n- right now you have it on the top but the, there e- even some people in the chat today being like why didn't you put vcache on both ccds why why no part that has has vcache across both that is a very good question and i will say that uh in the development of our two ccd parts we did we did an enormous number of experiments to look at what configurations yield the best performance and i'd say there's really two factors you know the first factor is you see it on a 5800 x3d compared to a 5800x or a 7800X3D compared to a 7700X. That stacking process requires the CPU to run at a, or the the core complex to run at a little bit lower voltage and therefore a bit lower frequency. And so there's a trade-off there. That stack CCD is absolutely great for gaming, but if you need something that has the maximum single core frequency or or just really bursty uh, behavior, at the highest frequency that you can deliver, then a non-stack CCD is the way to go. So, so that's kind of the first reason why we started looking at, at asymmetric designs with one stack and one non-stack CCD, so that you could kind of give both of those, right? The max frequency on one core complex and that, that 3D vCache uh, gaming performance on the other core complex. The, the second thing was, honestly, is we we built and tested some parts with stack CCDs in, in both locations. What you find is, is really two factors. It, not only is it that single frequency behavior, but it's also the fact that, you know, the reality is most games stay contained to a, an eight core 16 thread pool. And so they really don't spill over from one CCD to the other. And the overhead involved with keeping the caches coherent with that that large cache across both CCDs actually was was detrimental to performance in many cases. And so this this configuration that we have, this asymmetric configuration, was absolutely the best performance that we could provide in gaming. And oh, by the way, it also preserved all of the the single thread, more traditional benchmark metrics of our our non three D V cache processors. And I, I do want to say that, and, and for people who don't know, I haven't watched our videos, but pretty much my review and other reviews found that has validated that, that you, you had, you know, single threaded, lightly threaded performance on that non stack part. And then you got the cash. So it, it mostly works out pretty much uh, as the way it was intended, uh, which I guess, you know, at, at CES, AMD described it as uh, best of both worlds. And I, I guess that kind of still is, it did end up Different. mostly turning out to be that way. I was, I guess I'm just taken aback because a lot of people really want, we're here again. Uh, and people say they they still want the two stack parts, right? And and I'm not is I guess is there room to actually do like well gosh, sh- is there room to do an additional part that actually has stack? I mean, can is it, 
can the market actually support a, thir a another CPU that is going to be ostensibly more expensive and actually could perform worse than the one that is already I, out there? You know, I, I think the uniqueness of 3D vCache technology, because, you know, again, let's let's take a step back for a second. That's a technology that's used both in our client processor portfolio as well as our server products. In In the server space, you see that large cache being really useful for you know, big data set HPC applications that, uh, that benefit from having so much local memory close to the processor. Uh, in the client world, and, and Gordon, I think you probably saw this through the review that you did, there are not many client workloads aside from gaming that really benefit from having that stack cache on top of the die. And, and you know, I think we've seen over the, over the multiple generations of Ryzen, um, memory latency and gaming go go hand in hand on on Ryzen processors, and by having so much more local cache, we're effective to we're able to effectively reduce the the memory latency of the processor, um, driving up gaming performance very dramatically. But you don't see those same type of gains across a broad variety of workloads in the client space. And so, I I think the reality is if if we ever thought about doing a a part that had both CCDs stacked, it would be, uh, it would be very, very niche in in terms of you know what it's useful for, what benefit it provides over the products that we did build. Yeah, and I I get you because, you know, again looking back to Ryzen seven thousand eight hundred X three D versus Ryzen seven thousand eight hundred X, like almost everything. I ran like I mean ninety nine percent of all the actual practical applications from Adobe Premiere to Photoshop to Lightroom, it just didn't. There was always a regression versus the X because the 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 non stack part had a little higher clock speed. So I, it kind of makes sense that you would lose performance by you know having again both now both dies can't run at that higher clock. But yeah, absolutely, and I I think you know. That was a lot of the feedback that we got with the 5800X3D. Um, now, you know, in time, what the market, I think, really saw was, in spite of the fact that you go backwards by just a little bit on some of those um, uh, non-gaming workloads, whether that's traditional benchmark or creator applications, et cetera, it makes up for it in spades in gaming performance. And so we really see that Ryzen 7 space is the core of, of our gaming market, and, you know, that... 5800X3D or 7800X3D, uh, in 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 my mind at least, really hits that sweet spot of it's it's the perfect gaming part and it's also you know really good at at just what people want to do generally on their PCs um, beyond gaming. Right, and that that is really a lot of the misunderstanding. It feels like out there, a lot of people don't get why they have to buy the Ryzen 9 7950X3D for gaming when. I, I sort of see it. Well, let me ask you though, what is who should buy the Ryzen seven? Well, we haven't seen the reviews yet. It's not quite on the shelves yet. But who should buy the Ryzen seven seventy eight hundred X three D versus the Ryzen nine X three D? Which who, yeah. what's the best customer for both of those? So I, I think the way that we look at it is the Ryzen nine seventy nine fifty X three D is is kind of the the best of both worlds if you want to say it that way. It's the the fastest part, the the highest performance on both gaming, as well as general productivity, creator applications, benchmarks, etc. At the other end of the spectrum, the 7800X3D is squarely aimed as somebody whose primary use in, in building and buying this processor is for gaming. And it's going to give them 
the best gaming performance at the at the lowest entry point to to get into that product. And then that kind of leaves that 7900X3D in the middle. And and that's one where, it, you know, it we look at that as it's going to give you just about all of that gaming performance benefit that you would see in the 16-core part of the 8-core part. I shouldn't even say almost. I mean, it is effectively going to be almost identical gaming performance across those parts. It still has 12 cores, and so it's great on creator applications too. And so that kind of strikes that balance between you know, heavily multi-thread, really suited for gaming. It's $100 cheaper than the 7950X3D, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things is is a step or two in terms of graphics card options. And so when you look at it at a total system build level, you know, if you don't want to step all the way up to that 7950X3D and, and instead you opt for a 7900X3D and upgrade your graphics card instead, um, that's a great, that's a great system build choice. So, I think we put those three parts out there to give more of a range of options for gamers and creators and anybody who's kind of in the middle of all of those things. Uh, speaking of the 7900X uh, 3D, uh, there was a question from Goner Me Leggies. <laughs> uh, said, uh, since since you already have a single six-core CCD with 3D vCache on the 7900X 3D, can we expect a, uh, a 7600X 3D? That's uh, that's a really good question. I would say that um, maybe the third factor, maybe the third factor that um, you know kind of goes along with um, why an, an end user might not want both CCDs to have stacked memory on top of them is it is also a, you know it's a it's a it's a leading edge technology. It's very expensive to manufacture, um, which you know if that cost if that incremental cost doesn't turn into great performance, then um, you know, it's not not necessarily the best choice for a product to put into the market. I think the 7600X3D, um, again, I, I have read and seen a lot of feedback that that's a, that's a product the market is interested in. Um, I guess what I would say is AM5 and the 7000 series are, are still in their infancy in the grand scheme of things. It's a platform that we're going to support, um, as we said, when we launched through 2025 and beyond with new products. Um, so I'll say, you know, never say never, not, not committing to a new product right now, but always open to looking at options that the market is really interested in. I mean, that ultimately is a problem too, because I, I've heard a lot of people say that they want more, even more, which is kind of, it, it's always for a company, it's hard because I can imagine trying to manage this portfolio. There's a lot behind it, but I can't imagine actually like, oh, to have an additional Maybe you should have made one with, you know, uh, eight eight dies and, you know, and then a, a cut down, you know, second die with four cores. And like, I mean, it almost sounded like people wanted to have like, you know, 10 different chips with stacked combinations, just even more granular. I just don't know whether well, that's even possible to well, support that many products. Well, and actually, I have, there's another question on <laughs> that somebody asked too about a, a 3D vCache and APUs. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, God. people want 3D vCache <laughs> everywhere. David. <laughs> well, I, I guess what I would say is, you know, 3D vCache is a technology that, um, again, you know, we, we are we are just at the beginning of how this gets applied and where it gets applied. And I think we've seen the benefit in gaming. Um, it, you're right, Gordon, you know, managing the complexity of the portfolio and the number of products that we have has has grown exponentially over the, the past couple of years. I mean, you know, think about where we were gosh, I guess it was beginning of last year when, you know, we were all sort of coming out of COVID and, and just starting to see the ends of the, of the uh, 
you know, radical supply constraints that the semiconductor market faced. Um, the portfolio of Ryzen processors between AM4 and AM5 now is a range of offerings that goes from $699 all the way down to sub $100 offerings, right? And so um, understanding how all of those pieces fit together, making sure that we are uh, putting the right quantity of each of those into into every corner of the world, um, like that's the that's the complexity we have to deal with. And so making sure that we've got the right set of parts, not too many, not too few, is is really a lot of the focus as well. Uh, I have this question, which I you know I I really thought about whether it is something worth asking because I I think it you know I I don't want to dismiss it as just simply you know being cranks, but there's a lot of people that have made accusations that with the X3D parts, because you have one with stacked Vcash, the other without it. I've heard this repeated many, many times. So I, I do feel like I, I should ask you to give AMD a chance to respond to it, because I'm sure you get it on Twitter all the time. It, were the X3D parts intentionally designed as asymmetric chips in order to sell uh, the non-stack parts, which the the claim is going, oh, the non-stack parts are not selling. So they basically designed the X3D part to move, to basically make you take the non-stack part with the stack part when all we only want is the stack goodness. So the they're basically saying this was done just to force people to take those non-stack dies. Yeah, I I, I think I understand the, the gist of your question. Um, you know, what I would say is... It, kind of like I explained a minute ago, when we developed the X3D parts, we did a lot of experimentation on different configurations to try to find that optimal balance between performance and cost across a wide range of workloads from gaming to everything else that people do on their PCs. And and I would also say that, you know, if you look at where we are today, let's talk specifically about the AM5 ecosystem versus when the platform first launched in what was that, September, October of last year, um, we're in a very different state from where we were. At CES this year, it wasn't just the introduction of the X3D parts, but we also introduced a line of 65-watt processors with coolers in the box to expand the range of options that people have to build lower power, cooler, quieter AM5 builds. Uh, we've been working very closely with our motherboard partners to expand the range of options and and range of price points that are addressed in the market. I, I saw, um, and I know we've talked about this repeatedly, about new models coming from our o ODM partners that address lower and lower price points. I, I saw a new egg today that ASRock has a board that uh, will be available for sale what, on the 10th here in a couple of days for $125, a B650 board. Uh, so really getting down to the price points with the motherboards that opens up the volume of the market. And then DDR5 pricing has changed radically from when we launched AM5 to where we are today. Uh, when we launched AM5, you know, DDR5 modules were almost at a, at a you know, 80 to, to 100% premium over DDR4. That's come down dramatically. We've seen um, you know, near near 15% premiums on a lot of those kits in many markets around the world. And then we're also seeing a, a host of new uh, 16 gigabyte or, or two by eight gigabyte kits coming into the market as well to further bring down that build cost and really, you know, create some very affordable options in an AM5 platform that's going to last for years to come. Okay. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, here's a, maybe another a long way. way to get to know, yeah. but yeah. Yes, no, I, I, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, but here, here's maybe another way uh, to, to kind of help wrap it up is the, um, how, how long have you guys been planning the Ryzen 7000 X3D parts? Like, I, you know, was it like, oh, it, it took a couple months and yeah, you were able to do it or a couple years? You know, I was, I was just looking at that this morning. I think we started... Um, we started the 7000 series family design in 2019. Um, and then, you know, really from the, from the very beginning of that program, having the X3D option as a part of the family was always part of the plan. Um, and, and, and you'll notice, you know, 5000 series from when we launched 5000 series to when we had an X3D option was a, was a very long span of time. Um, we've compressed that greatly as we talk about 7,000 series. I, I think what we're finding, though, is you know the 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 utility of the X3D technology, especially in gaming, is is absolutely essential. Uh, it provides so much benefit to the users that want a great gaming processor, want great efficiency. Um, it's it's going to be a part of our plans going forward as well. I, I think it's a it's a really unique technology that we've found the found a great application for in the in the consumer client space and uh i think it's great for gamers and and really helps with um you know what we can do with our products uh can i ask a little bit about sort of uh a lot of the talk around the scheduling that is being done here so you sure. know, for people that know uh the stack die basically relies on essentially the uh game mode and game bar and when you're running a game, the game is mostly being uh, essentially pushed onto the stack die. And then uh, for all other tasks, you basically have all the dies where it can go mostly to the frequency die, it feels like. Uh, a lot of the pushback I'm seeing is people, for some reason, are allergic, for some reason, to the Microsoft Xbox game bar that it relies on. Is there another method you could use or is there is there something you can say to those folks who just I I've taught people in on YouTube in comments will say I literally will will not run this because of the Xbox game bar. Is there anything you can say to the to that crowd? Because I I don't get it because frankly, I didn't even know it was there, you know, most of the time because I don't use it. But I, I don't I don't understand what the objection is to it. Yeah, I, I guess I'd say a couple of things. I mean, our uh, our partnership with Microsoft is really close. They they invest an incredible amount of resources into tools like GameBar, and and have much more insight into what's running on the system, what the characteristics of those games are, and and so it is a uh, it, it's a way to you know kind of continuously update and improve the capabilities for these these asymmetric processors um, for for the users that really don't want GameBar and that really care about gaming performance, I mean, that's where a product like 7800X3D is a great choice. It has all that gaming performance uplift, but it is it is a, a hetero, it's a, a homogeneous solution, right? It it doesn't rely on things like game bar to, to schedule processes to different cores. It's all in, in one contained unit there. And so um, I think as we look at, you know, kind of where we go in the future, um, I don't see a path where where we separate from Microsoft and and kind of try to do our own thing here. I think that 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 partnership and and what we can kind of cooperatively um, 
you know, glean from the OS about what's happening and make better and, and more informed choices about how to influence the behavior of the scheduler, how to get the most performance out of the product, how to operate with the most efficiency and and move between power states uh, in a very seamless way that is tied into the overall behavior of what's happening in the operating system is, um, it, to me, that's that's too important to to kind of shy away from, um, you know, working with with our biggest operating system partner and partnering with them on on tools that they're building as well. Yeah, and I also want to point out, I did an interview with uh, uh, Wendell at Level 1 Tech's, you know, uh, super smart uh, person, and he was pointing out that, you know, honestly, your competitors' products also rely on the game bar as well because there's just, you, you don't make a CPU in the PC space and not work with Microsoft, which is yep. the largest... And, you know, I think a lot, it does feel like Microsoft gets bagged on by everybody. It's easy to because they're so big, but they do an awful lot to lift PC gaming, too. So mm -hmm. I, I, sometimes I feel it's a little unfair, but. Um, I, I think the other option is, you know, for those users who want the higher core count, there are options in BIOS that are, I'll call it a little bit more brute force ways to, uh, to, to you know, kind of manage which die gets priority for applications. And so that's another approach to take. I, and it does make me wonder though, is it like, cause a lot of it, people, they wanna, they wanna have their five speed, right? Everybody says they wanna have manual transmission. They don't want an automatic. And I kind of wonder if that's what sort of feeds all of the desire here, because it does feel like it'd be cool if you could do this from Ryzen Master and sort of pick what applications run where. But, you know, I'm not so sure that is really a, that's a solution that's great for an enthusiast or somebody who wants to tune this thing all day, but it feels like 80% of people who actually buy things, there's a reason why manual transmission cars are essentially not sold in the world anymore, right? They just want it to work. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Now I'll uh, confess I'm, I am not, uh, not the expert on which knobs are available in Ryzen master to control that behavior. But, um, I, you know, I think we certainly hear that feedback from the community, the desire to have more control. Um, and I think as we look at our roadmap going forward and enhancing both BIOS as well as some of the tools that go with it, uh, we'll take that feedback into consideration and try to give that support to users. Uh, can I ask you about, uh, in just like backing up a little bit from all the down and the fighting, being in the, uh, having the plane buffeted by the, 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 uh, the turbulence of, of people angry over what they expect and what they didn't want. If we back this up a little bit and just sort of look at asymmetric designs, so this is, you know, obviously Intel has, you know, they have performance cores, they have E cores, you now have stacked, you have non-stack. Is the future basically going to be about these asymmetric designs where, you know, it's not just simply one core all the time. Now we're going to have very different disparate functions in CPUs going forward. This is obviously we can't ask you about the next 10, you know, Zens, sure. but it would be, I would just love to hear like, oh, maybe this is, this is kind of the path we're going to be going on from now on. Well, I, I mean, I think what we do find is that in, if, if you look at di different design points throughout the portfolio, um, CPUs are a space where you are considerably um, less power constrained than in other form factors like, like notebooks or or more passively cooled devices that um, may exist as well in the in the notebook ecosystem. And so I guess what I would say to the first extent is there's um, there's different answers depending on which part of the market that you're you're talking about. 
I will say for the desktop space, I mean, one of the things that that I am um, very thankful for is is we went down the path of chiplets several generations ago. It does give us an enormous amount of flexibility to um, mix and match between, you know, different stack, non-stack, or or whatever options are in the portfolio as we consider products that we build for the future. And I don't see that sort of chiplet design methodology going away in in what we build in our our desktop portfolios. Um, you know, looking out over time, I think for our desktop products, we still believe that using you know, high performance cores is the best option for what most desktop users want. Uh, it provides a, a very seamless experience across the broadest range of applications. And and again, in most desktop systems, you are effectively power unconstrained and, you know, can run all of those high performance cores at their maximum performance levels. And so you see the contribution of those, those big cores across a very wide range of applications. Um, so I think that will still be a, a very uh, healthy part of our strategy going forward. But yeah, you're totally right. Chiplet design methodology gives us a lot of flexibility to rapidly adjust our strategy as some of those um, other approaches become more mainstream. And, um, you know, it's it's something we continue to look at. I've, I've got some random questions, but if you have a follow-up. Yeah. I, I know. I mean, it is interesting because I, I think a, a lot of people the initial takes were like, oh, you know, actually in some ways it looks like uh, AMD needed a thread director kind of manager kind of ways, but I, I, I think you're right because the AMD is well positioned because you you basically, you've broken things into chiplets well before Intel did, so you are kind of already on that path. So I'm I'm just answering my own question there. <laughs> uh, I, I do have a... a a question about uh, obviously the the one we have to ask it's it's written into the law of the internet which is what about linux support like if you don't ask if you don't address the linux crowd you will have problems so what's coming from amd for x3d as far as uh how you manage the, the different dies for linux yeah li linux is an area where um we have we have quite a bit of work that's underway to uh, give similar flexibility and similar support in the Linux space to what we have in the Windows space. Um, I don't know off the top of my head what the timeline is for those deliverables, but I know that that's uh, something that we are actively developing right now and plan on pushing out into the, the Linux community. Okay. Uh, and the other question is very much, I want to discuss the importance of, of gaming on PC and these products. These are you know, X3D is, is a premium product. It's a Halo product. You know, Ryzen 9, you know, the best of the best, basically. You're going against, you know, your competitor's best products. Why is it so important to have... How I guess how important is it to have the best gaming CPU moniker, you know, for your... Associated with your product? When, you know, I was hesitant to say X3D was the best, but honestly, when you add up everything... It definitely leans very much that Ryzen 9 is better than Core i9 in, in a lot of games. But I'm just wondering you, David, for you, what's the value of, of being the, to be able to say best gaming CPU? Is it, is it really worth all this, all the pain, all the, all the, all, all, all the, all the comments from everybody to go through for this? I, you know, I think the reality is there's, um, calling something the best is, is a lot more nuanced today than it ever has been, right? To your point, there's, um, there's factors of sheer performance and power efficiency and cost and all of those other things that factor into the entire equation. And 
I, I think the truth is, you know, absolutely. If I look internally at the teams of AMD, at, you, you have a you have an engineering team that is motivated to build the best products that they possibly can. And, um, you know, to a lot of the people on those teams, you know, achieving that goal of having the best gaming processor is why they're putting their blood, sweat and tears into developing these products and making sure that they're delivering the maximum performance and, you know, the features and the the gaming that that they know end users are going to want. Um, it, it's a group that cares deeply about about the enthusiast community and providing the best products we can. Um, and so I think, you know, from that point of view, um, there's a lot of motiv- motivation inside of AMD around building the best processors. But the other thing that I'll say is um, it's it's also true that you can have more than one best or more than one best that's measured in different ways. And I think, um, you know, having absolute best gaming performance is important, but doing that in a way that doesn't you know, sacrifice power efficiency of the product or doing it in a way that isn't uh, outrageously expensive, you know, th- that's kind of the other factor here as well. And so as we look at the whole portfolio, sure, it's nice to have the halo, but we also want to make sure that, you know, we're winning on those energy efficiency metrics. We're providing a more sustainable computing experience overall through the Ryzen portfolio. Um, and then also, you know, performance per dollar is something that's critically important to us. And as we look at both the price of our products, the cost of the ecosystem. Uh, we want to make sure that as people go, you know, put together their own PC builds, whether that's an upgrade or whether that's a brand new build, making sure that they've got options that deliver great performance per dollar when it comes to gaming or productivity is the other metric that we really look at when we think about how all of these pieces fit together. Because there's a lot of pieces in that portfolio. You know, you do bring up a good point because I I have definitely seen arguments saying that AMD did not need to come out with X3D and they could have done just the, the, the eight core part and be done with it, you know, similar to what we had in the 5,000 days. But I mean, I, I imagine the teams, that's not really a, you don't want to just kind of like give up who you want to race, right? You've got a competitor. You're supposed to compete. Isn't that, that must kind of hurt the, the, the teams like, Oh, we're just going to give this space up to the other team. That's just, I think that's There's, kind of a, yes, that's for a lot of people in AMD. That's not, uh, that's not how they they like to do their jobs. There is that motivation. Look, if you're running a mile, you go you go the full mile. You don't stop fifty feet short of the of the finish line. That's good enough. I tried pretty hard, you know. <laughs> Got at least cross the finish line. You got like, no, that's good. No, no, they already crossed it. No, it's I'll, not going down. <laughs> that would be the most unusual race where you're like every the the person crosses the Olympics. Everybody's like. Yeah, no, second, like, third. Yeah. No, I'm happy to be second there now. We're just we're just gonna everybody turns around and goes the other way now because somebody already beat you there. So, uh, I I do have a uh, a super chat from friend of the show VC Jester asked uh, earlier. Um, has pre price creep gotten carried away uh, when a PC World editor switched to consoles? Sorry, uh, one of our one of our coworkers wrote an article about switching to consoles. Sure, but the the question about uh, price creep. Uh, you know how, how does how does AMD uh, battle that, or you know, is is it something that 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 you have to worry about? No, it's it's absolutely something that we worry about, and I think that you know, especially for a, a consumer facing product. And look, it's it's true in notebooks, it's true in desktops as well. Um, there is not an infinite budget that that anybody has when they're going out and building a PC, and and I think that 
Um, you know, we worry a great deal about how we price our products and and how we you know measure them in terms of price performance versus the competition. Um, I think that having a range of options as well throughout the product portfolio is the other piece of it. Uh, but we are we are very very conscious of the cost of our products um, as well as what that translates to in terms of of price to an end user, and and we try to do things to make sure that we're driving the the best value that we possibly can uh, when we create those products. And um, not to not to blatantly plug something we're doing here, but I will. Um, you know, one of the things that's going on right now is we just kicked off a, an ecosystem bundle on our AM5 products, right? So between us, motherboard manufacturers, memory manufacturers, um, you'll see around the world right now, we're running on our 7,000 series products promos that when you put those components together, you can save $50, $100, on the total price of a build. And doing that in a way that doesn't you know, that goes after the entire cost of the build because we know that those are users that are upgrading from another platform into a new platform. And so we want to make that transition as as uh, easy as we possibly can and make sure that users are getting the best value that they possibly can as a part of that. Yeah, it was, it was definitely one of the things we heard at Ryzen 7000 launch was like, oh, hey, you know, the, the prices on the CPUs are one thing, but it's the the whole uh, package whole, package whole cost, yeah. How, how do how does how does it uh, a bundle deal? Can, can you give us some insight on like how something like that comes together? Is that is that you uh, as AMD pushing that that thing with the vendors, the motherboard and the and the RAM vendors? Is is it everyone right. kind of getting together and being like, hey, how do we solve this? What yeah, no, I, I think we we all have a similar motivation. Um, AMD as well as the motherboard partners and the 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 DRAM manufacturers where. Um, you know, if you look at the state of the market today, gaining traction and growing the momentum on the AM5 platform is is something that's important to us. It's something that's important to the motherboard guys as well. Um, and you know, in turn, the the memory manufacturers seeing the the volume ramp of DDR5 accelerate, seeing those prices come closer and closer together. You know, all of those factors kind of self-correct as you get more and more volume, more and more momentum in this new ecosystem. And so, you know, I would say we're, we're starting to, to hit our stride a bit more in the AM5 run rate and st- starting to see really that momentum start to um, snowball as it as it goes down the hill and pick up speed. Um, and I think doing things like this, this bundle with our partners is is a great way to help accelerate that and really get get the traction that we're looking for. And, you know, I, I... AMD is firmly on the two timeline kind of thing where we have AM4 and AM5 kind of complementing yep. each other. How much further do you think that might go? Like, I don't know if that's getting too into the into the details of the business here, but I'm kind of wondering, are, are we going to cross that path where it's like, you know, maybe now AM4 isn't really needed as much anymore because the prices are so attractive on AM4, AM5 build? Yeah, I, it's, it's a good question. And I think that the primary driver there is going to be um, what happens with memory prices over the next year or two. Um, you know, I, I think that we are starting to see more and more platforms come out with DDR5 memory. I think DDR5 memory in general is getting uh, a lot more traction. But if you look at you know past memory technology transitions, it's been a it's been a fairly extended time horizon between you know, DDR3 to DDR4 crossover, DDR2 to DDR3, like, you know, it's going to be some time before DDR4 and DDR5 prices really cross over one another. 
Um, and I, I think that's going to be one of the primary factors that determines how long the AM4 platform is viable in the market. Could be a year, could be three years. I mean, we'll we'll see um, just kind of what happens to those memory prices over time. But I anticipate there'll be there'll be quite a quite a bit of longevity to that AM4 platform. Yeah, and I, I agree because it is every time we've gone through this, every single one DDR2 to DDR3, it's it's a multi-year transition, like minimum three typically, and, yep. and especially when you're in the more price-sensitive categories too, where that's where an extra twenty dollars is enough to sort of break things. I I kind of I guess that I, that's probably pretty far away. So you know, I I really believe that um you know we some of us that are that are like in the in the business, doing the planning, it, you guys looking at this as well, we always think these transitions are going to happen faster than they actually do. <laughs> and the reality is it takes time, right? It takes a lot of time to change an ecosystem. And um, and and I think DDR4 to DDR5 will be the same thing. It'll take time. Hmm. I'm. It'll be interesting because I, well, I'm just wondering, like, some people are going to be weighing, like, well, Gen 5 SSDs are going to make it, are gonna, but you know when you're talking about Gen Five SSDs, which you're only going to see in AM5, that, that's a that's not exactly your your low lower priced you know, your budget buyer. Yeah, not no, your budget not buyer. Your budget. You know, buying a an APU first time three hundred dollar four hundred dollar gaming PC. So that I I guess it doesn't really factor into it either. So yeah, and and I think I think what we will see is in the AM5 space. I believe we're going to continue to see those memory prices come down closer and closer to DDR4 prices through this year into 2023. Uh, I think you'll continue to see more and more options of more value priced AM5 boards coming into the market across a wide range of partners. I think what we're seeing today is just the the tip of the iceberg for what's coming. Um, and then I think, you know, with some of the new pro product offerings that we have in the portfolio, like our our 65 watt processors today, bundled with a cooler in the box, like it's a it's a great option for honestly, you start putting those pieces together, you're you're in a sub five hundred dollar space to build a uh, a really nice, you know, AM5 platform right now. And and the great thing is, you know, with that commitment that we've made for new products coming into this platform for years to come, uh, it gives you a lot of room to upgrade in the future. And I think that's one of the things that we believe really helped AM4 as a platform have so much adoption and so much success. And um, and that's why we're going to try to do exactly the same thing with AM5. Okay. Uh, I, I know we're running up uh, on the end of your time, but uh, I do have a kind of a one one bigger timeline question just ask. Uh, I, I just looked it up. The Ryzen 7 1800X uh, launched on March 2nd, 2017. So just uh, just over six years ago. I mean, that was one of the, the great wow. success stories about AM4, right, is the longevity. I mean, we're still talking about how it's still relevant. Yep. People are still buying it. Uh, last time, or I should say when Ryzen 7000 was announced and, and launched, the, the story was, hey, um, you know, support through 2025. Uh, that's, I mean, that's only a couple years away you know and any uh, up, update on that or is the the support still still strong support is still strong we've got multiple products planned to go into the am5 socket over that time horizon um so i think you'll see quite a bit from us new cpus new apus all sorts of things coming into am5 because our intention is to build out really you know a long-lived ecosystem in in am5 just like we did in the am4 space maybe six years long as uh <laughs> as it's been so far with am4 no comment. No comment. 
<laughs> okay, should ask. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I do want to. I'm. Just, I don't. I want to get some more. Uh, if there's any more questions that no, come, but yeah. like I generally believe when I, and David, I want your opinion here because I generally believe as a whole, in socket upgrades are pretty rare, and but a for AM4 that was such a strong feature like everybody absolutely loved it i mean honestly i loved it i'm not saying i i didn't like it but i is your in your experience how powerful is the in socket upgrade to people to be able to take a ryzen 7 1800x you know five years later and drop a ryzen 7 5800x 3d that like i mean that's amazing but i'm just kind of wondering is that overstated or is from your customer base is like people they that's what like oh my god you have me a customer for life because i, I do this i can do this yeah, that, that's a that's a really good question and i can't tell you that i have um uh, you know like statistics that say how often that happens um my belief though is that it's as much of a um, it's as much of a psychological selling point than it is something that people actually do. And and like I just think about myself as a consumer, if 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 that option is there for me, maybe that tips the scales and I say, okay, you know, I'm I'm going to go this direction because I could if I wanted to someday. I may not do that, but um, I think it is it is something that happens. Now whether that's ten percent of the time or whether that's I don't think it's fifty percent of the time, but um, you know, it's it's probably a, a relatively small percentage of people that do that. But I think there is something reassuring about the the knowledge that you could if um, if if that was something you chose to do at some point. You know, it's funny because I, I, I is, you know, the nice thing is, depending on your budget, it gives you a lot of options for the the what and how um, and, and when you upgrade as a part of your platform. Right. I, I'm, I'm just thinking back. It's actually kind of similar to the early days of coprocessors or they yeah. had the accelerators you could drop in after, you know, nobody ever bought them, but it was like, it sure, way back machine. sure, but it sure felt good though. Right. It was a big selling point. It was on the box. It was actually a, a big marketing oh, really? bullet point. I'm kind of like, it almost feels like AMD could say, yeah, look at how great we did with the AM4. So, you know, it was, it was a, it was a great sure. feature. So. Put a math coprocessor socket on the board. That's, uh, that's a good suggestion. Well, just the, the the fact of being able to upgrade, you know, you, people love the, I mean, it worked really well. And I, I did. so I'm just wondering if that's something that is, should be marketed a little more, but it's, it's more for the crowd that cares. They know, because word of mouth is probably more valuable, but. Yep. Agreed. Huh. agreed. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll we, we should probably let you go. Uh, yeah, is so, there, yeah, David, is there anything you think like, hey, I, I want to say something or is there anything we didn't ask you that you, you want to use your chance so you can talk directly to the internet? Is there anything you want to tell folks if, if there's anything we missed? Well, I, I guess what I will say is I want to I wanna thank you guys for having me here today, first of all, um, and really appreciate the, uh, you know, the, the review on the 7000 Series X3D parts. Really excited that you guys saw a lot of the things in the product that um, that we wanted to come through. And and I think for everybody out there that's looking at, at buying an AM5 system, um, you know, we've we've got a lot of options out there now. Um, so we're going to keep keep building that ecosystem out, keep bringing new options into the AM5 platform and continuing to try to drive the, the best that we possibly can, whether that's absolute performance or gaming or performance per dollar. Uh, that's really what we're trying to do with the Ryzen products. Cool. Well, thanks for coming. You bet. Thank yeah. you guys for having me. Yeah. Thank. Thank you so much, David. Thank you, David. <laughs> uh, so yeah, 
David's going to pop off, and then uh, Gordon, I guess, is just going to leave me and you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we get the Zoom to. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to end it, uh, Willis. So yeah, thanks to David for for hanging out, and uh, yeah, uh, that that was a good time. I I mean, I think we had a lot of qu there's a lot of questions, a lot of chatter that's been happening in the past week, so it was uh, it was good to have him on the uh, on the chat, right? Yeah, and then I see a question. It just keeps coming up. Eight core with 3D cache on one die. Yes, that is coming. It's Ryzen 7 7800X3D coming soon, and that will be coming. Uh, what do you What did you think? Are there any any questions that we missed? That uh, topics questions from the chat? No, you know, I I mean, I, I think for us Q and A. Yeah. I, I, what I think I really keep seeing um, is people having specific use case scenarios saying, hey, listen, uh, I, know, I know that this is marketed as a best of both cases, you know, or a best of both worlds kind of CPU. You've done your testing, but I think a lot of people are confused because a lot of the benchmarks you run, or I should say most of the benchmarks you run, are usually just looking at a single application, Yeah. right? And a lot of people want to know, hey, uh, what if I do this, this, and this? What if I do this, this, and this? How do I do this, this, and this, right? Like that, that's... I mean, what do you do as a reviewer? Is there is there a way for you to be like, hey, you know what? Uh, I can answer your questions. I mean, I know in our one of our videos we had a little demo showing, hey, we we ran uh, Tomb Raider and then we ran uh, a, a, a Chrome benchmark and then you ran a, a, a Cinebench as well. Right. Actually, after the video we was done shooting, we we did some tests with uh, with OBS. So I mean, how how do you how do you test for this the, all these people asking like what happens if this what happens if this what if i do this uh you know so the reason why i think because you know we're answering the asking the classic multitasking what if i'm what if i'm multitasking with my favorite app with the other app and and this game and from i can tell you as a reviewer the reason why it is rarely done like if you try to roll your own testing where you're doing multitasking it can get really hairy because honestly it may look like you're getting consistent results and then you try to go to reproduce it in a week or two and then you can't reproduce it. So multitasking testing is very difficult for a viewer to do. I know that Intel has actually pushed out what they call rugs. Uh, I forget real, real world user guides is I think. Mm. And I need to look at it again because you know, I often don't use Intel rugs. They produce these tests. They spend all this time, and then they distribute to everybody. I don't think I've ever seen a reviewer use it. Wait, uh, sorry, are these benchmarks that they've created, or is these scenarios that they're suggesting? Well, they're they're not really benchmarks per se. Like I click button. It's really a here's how you run it. This you run this scenario, and you can sort of here you can do Adobe Lightroom with this, and you can do a multitasking test and get consistent results. I need to go back and look at that rug because they felt that they were able to reproduce consistent results that it was useful for people to possibly test. But as a reviewer, when I'm sitting there and screwing around, it gets really messy. I think the last time I sort of tried this was when 2990X came out, right? 32 core throat roper. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's very few things <laughs> that a consumer is going to be running that needs 32 cores, right? 64 threads too, right? And then of course you got the 64 core version, but I actually at that time was like, God, this is nuts because besides 
the 3D rendering, and then it was only the very best 3D rendering. And then, of course, it's like Cinebench isn't really realistic, Ian would argue, because it doesn't actually match what you really do in Cinema 4D and all that stuff. But, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to run this and this and this. So I'd r I ran three things, and it was consistent enough that I could test it across two different platforms at the same on the same day that I felt like, okay, here's a 32-core threader for being very useful. But I bet if I went and tried to reproduce it now, the results would be not the same. And, you know, the funny thing is, looking back, even back to the original Ryzen 7 1800X launch, because remember, Ryzen 1800X was mind-blowing because it was eight cores for a really low amount of money, and the Intel equivalent was a 7700K. So you had, like, quad-core 7700K against the eight-core 1800X. So I was like, okay, I'm going to run a game, <clears throat> benchmark, and then I'm going to do something in the background. Well, because, <laughs> you know, what you're always looking for is like, oh, my gaming experience is going to be terrible, right? The 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 performance I'm going to get is terrible in the benchmark, which, of course, you're running because it gives you a reproducible number, not just simply playing a game. Because you can't play two game the same game on two different sa systems at the same time and, and reproduce it every single time. The results were, by the way, 7700K, yeah, the background task, the 1800X would crush it because it has eight cores versus four cores but the game the the results were the same whether you had a background task or not because windows is pretty smart they go like you know what you're playing a game i'm going to make the game the, the priority task and you're not going to suffer in frame rates yeah that other thing that you're doing in the background that's going to slow way down because you don't have the core count for it but it just gets really really messy and i tell you so we, you know we do meetings with AMD and NVIDIA and, and Intel all the time, their lab teams, and you're always talking to them because they're always looking for how to measure what's a, what's a good way to measure performance. And I always ask, is there a really good, you know, multitasking? So not multi-threaded because we have clearly have a ton of multi-threaded benchmarks. They may not actually apply to the real world because unless you're running 3D rendering, who cares, right? I'm running Photoshop and I'm running pre, even Premiere. It doesn't matter that much. But I've always, every time I ask him, like, yeah, you know. Well, but uh, that, that is nice. Like, I, I can't think of many others that do have have done kind of an interesting thing where you do the thread scaling. Yeah. Because then at least you can see, okay, you know, yeah, sure, you're using this one instrument to look at this one thing that's very niche, but at least you can kind of understand per core, you yeah. know, how, how, it, how it lines up. Because most of the reviews are either single core or all the cores. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. It's but fun, right? Especially as we got to the, I thought it was very usable once we got the hybrids too, where it's just like, oh, then it got really weird. And then, you know. Well, and then, yeah, I, I think that's what's made me think. I've been doing a lot of thinking over the past uh, week. The internet has forced me to do a lot of thinking, uh, good and bad. <laughs> but, uh, you know, in, in some ways I'm like, man, CPUs seem to be going down a path of like, it's going to get more hybrid. So like, Okay, how, how do we how do we figure out how to benchmark and and test CPUs that are just going to continue to get more hybrid and more weird use case right rather rather than like hey you had a four core CPU you know what you could only really I mean even back when I started video editing it was like oh if I'm going to render out something shut everything else down run the render go grab some coffee don't even touch it. Right now, I'm like, ah, I can render and edit some photos and do X, Y, Z, right? But there's no way to necessarily reproduce that. So, yeah, it it, it worries me that that we can't we're having a hard time getting a friend of, of of testing on you know 
<laughs> on on this kind of stuff. But then the the other side of it is that what happens is that we we're seeing a lot of people around this launch specifically being like, oh, I I don't know who this is for, or oh, hey, all the testing for gaming is you know whatever. I wait for this 7800X3D, which yes, if you're just gaming, wait for the 7800X3D. Like that's that seems to obvi be obvious, uh, but maybe it's not. Uh, so yeah, like like if you're just gaming, then you know what does it matter, I guess. But if you're doing other stuff, because gaming, I mean, there are there are benchmarks in games, but then some people do their other ways to kind of reproduce uh, gaming scenarios over and over again. But yeah, if you're doing stuff other, so so maybe it's more simple for the gaming, right? But for people who do more other yeah. things or do multitask things, or even the gamers who also stream at the same time, I don't I don't know, and it, it is so so maybe maybe that that I, I guess that's my other question is like, pe do people actually want to see other benchmarks? Are people really only just interested in seeing games benchmarked? Like that that's what our reviews would would almost sound like. People would be like. Who is this for? Why'd you test this? This 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 thing crap. Just wait for seventy eight hundred X three D. Yeah, and I think that I, to me that was a lot of the confusion. Like it really confused me because you, clearly, if you are you know, and I don't want to say just a gamer because that's 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 belittling belittling one one class of of user. But if you are a primary ninety percent gamer, you obviously don't need sixteen cores. You don't need to pay for the premium all core product because you probably don't need all those threads. Right. And that it always felt like that was kind of a given. So I, I didn't understand why people didn't get like why this part existed because it was really for, you, you got to have a, a, a more core performance CPU because there are indeed people who, who need it. And I, I, what Actually, I guess what I'm saying is it's not, I can understand there are different use cases. I can understand the Elena's of the world and why they want APUs and why they want the low value. You know, they, everything's about the value, and that's just. I mean, that's that's a valid. That's a that is a valid part of our world. Our you know, as well as the person who basically needs a sixteen core CPU for doing three D rendering and actually, hey, they actually they appreciate the cash of of the X three D parts. It's like I think. My problem is everybody simply believes no other their their entire worldview is simply their bubble and there's no other bubble. And everything exists for a reason, right? There are there's a there are legitimate reasons why you want you want to buy an Intel part. There's legitimate reasons why you want to buy an AMD part. There's legitimate reasons why you want to buy a AMD 7800X 3D. There's a reason why you want to buy a 7950X and there's people who honestly exist to buy a 7950X 3D too, right? And there's there's people who exist. There's a reason why the MacBook and the M2 and all that stuff exists because that's that's for them. That's their world. But every single bubble thinks the other one doesn't exist and they just want to discount the other one. And everything's, it's really weird. I, I've always thought as, like I, sometimes I think like for companies, it's like um it's like a, a, a toxic relationship kind of like. <laughs> well, it's weird. So I think about it like this way: like you're like, you know, it's like, you know, you always hear hear these stories about people that are going out with somebody, and they're like, "Who's that text from?" Oh, um, it's just from work. <laughs> you know, they're checking your Where phone, and like, you can't be paying attention to people need to make high core count. No, it's only about you know 
eight cores made just for gaming. You can't, you know, like, oh, you're like, I think that's, that's, you know, because the, the, these companies, they make things for different markets. They want to sell across to different customers because you can't rely on just one customer base. But every single customer is like that, like toxic relationship person is like, hey, uh, where'd you go tonight? I don't know. Just went out, you know, hanging out with coworkers after work up. Uh, you weren't like, you know, hanging out with those budget people, right? Because it's only, you know, you should only be hanging out high core count, you know? Don't worry about those APU folks. You know, it's just, that's what I, I'm just saying. Like people, there's other existences. There's only, there's other multiverses in this world. There's a multiverse that, that this chip is for. There's a multiverse that the KS is for, and you have to acknowledge the KS customer is, is they have a right to exist. This customer has a right to exist. You have a right to exist. Everybody just chill out. Just going to go out and hang out with some coworkers <laughs> after work. You don't have to get like looking at the phone and like. Well, so uh, I mean, that, that brings up a bigger point, right? Uh, all of these companies, Intel, AMD, NVIDIA, uh, where do they, where do they make their most money? It ain't gamers. Well, it's from enterprise. <laughs> right? Yeah. I so like, like, yeah, we're, we're and... like, yeah, gamers are actually just the, uh, the, the, the smaller, uh, you know. The person pulling away from data center. Data center is like, wait, why? Why? Who are you texting? Oh, yeah. I'm just talking to the gamers. Yeah, of course. Why, why are you talking to the gamers? <laughs> well, that's the same, same. It's the same thing there because honestly, you know what? If Nvidia, Intel, and AMD paid attention to Wall Street and that was their only customer, <laughs> like you know how it is. Like, oh my God, you need to be doing AI or need this data center and like, oh, what do you care about these gamers for? They're just such a pain in the butt and they're just always. <laughs> So there, you have to give credit to these companies for recognizing that the PC ecosystem and PC gamers and enthusiasts have, have they're always, we're always there for them. No matter what, yeah, we'll be arguing bitterly <laughs> until time ends, but you know, they can always, when suddenly Wall Street goes, oh yeah, the whole AI craze, we moved on to ASICs or Amazon, whatever, they can always come back to us, right? Can always come back to us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, I, th this also made me think of another thing, um, Gordon. Which, which, um, if if I uh, if if I were to pick pick two GPUs, or you know, uh, which which one's going to get me more frame rate, a uh, thirty fifty or a forty ninety? Hmm. Well, it depends. If you have a thirty fifty and you have a cheap power supply, you're not running. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, like like. Oh, you mean why? Wh which which ones? Which which one's going to make more frames? Well, obviously the forty ninety. Yeah, and the, and it's more expensive, right? Yes. So I think maybe that's where people are getting confused. Is like, hey, which which CPU on the Intel side is is going to be get you more frames? Technically. Well, the KS. And which one's the most expensive? The KS. So, uh, okay, so on the AMD side, which which AMD CPU is the most expensive? Well, the X three D. Is it getting me the most frames? It actually, in fact, <laughs> if you look at all the data we have done and others have done, the X3D is indeed faster in gaming by a very healthy amount over the 7950X. Yes. Yeah. Wait, just, I'm no, no, no. I, I, it's just like it's this weird. It's this weird thing. Is like people are looking for what's the best. What's the best? What's going to get me the most? Which one's the best one out there? And for some reason, the 7950X3D is not the best one. Yeah, I mean, I guess you know. But people... they say, oh no, no, no. I should. I should just get the 7800X3D. Because technically, uh, like technically on the charts, it's better, right? 
Well, it's more. It's, you, it's yeah, definitely yeah. lower cost. Well, I, think, I think that's the, the difference is the value, right? Then when you start to throw in value, because we saw that uh, a lot of people are like, oh, you know what? Just get the the thirteen six hundred K. Get the wait for the seventy eight hundred X three D. I just it's not the best, but it, it's the best for value. Sorry, I just think. Sorry, I'm gonna gonna sneeze here. I almost <laughs> think I should like. Where's this chart? I'm gonna give you this chart. Well, can you can we put? Yeah, this yeah. Here we go. Uh, here, here it, it sums it up. Uh, Seal Azul. Uh, more money means more good. You know, in the in the sad thing is, look, that is that actually works. It's it's honestly the nice thing about the nice thing about the way it is because we have competition and generally things self sort. More money means you get more performance. Um, is it going to get you? Is it going to give you 50% more performance or 20% more performance for the extra 10% or 15 or 30% more you're paying? Probably not. So then then my last part of that, which one's the best for all core renders on the AMD side? Well, the X part. See, right? That's, so so that's, yeah. that's the weird thing. It, it breaks almost every other thing where it's like, hey, you know what? Actually, if you're just doing, not just, but you know, if you're just doing multi-core renders uh, in in Blender, then actually the cheaper one is technically the better one, which that's different. That's kind of uh, right. Have you ever experienced anything where that's the case, where you're like, actually, you know what, the well, one yeah. with the bigger bar better is actually the cheaper one? Well, I I would say yes because every time something is technically the best, 1800x clean the clock out of 7700k, but 7700k. Generally, still got you better single-threaded performance, and generally better gaming performance, right? I mean, even I mean, like I'm trying to think of what's the flat-out best that had on the CPU side, won everything, no competition in the modern age. Say, I know, 5950 but, 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 but I'm saying I'm saying apples to apples. So, w mean? which one was better between the 1800X and the 7700K for Cinebench R23 all workload or all all thread? Well, eighteen hundred X was better, right? So, but there wasn't a seven. There wasn't a case where it was like, oh, actually, under all core workload, the seventeen hundred X was better, right? The the, the cheaper no. version, right? You know well, what I mean? So, like, like that. That's I think maybe that's a weird hanging up spot. I guess I, I think it's just a lot of a lot of it's just like I think we're gonna see when the, we again nobody has actually legitimately reviewed a, a seventy eight hundred X. 3D, I know there have been, you know, sort of attempts to sort of simulate with some of the performance you're going to get. I got to say, you got to wait till we get there. At the same time, AMD has these chips. They know exactly what, how they're going to perform, right? Do I think the 7800X in 99% of games is going to outperform the 7950X? You know, probably not. But I think the problem is you might get those edge cases and now people are going to go screaming and then it turns into a federal beef because now everybody's like, oh my God, this one thing. But if you actually look at like most of the things, it's probably not going to be a big deal, right? I mean, there's some things it's good for. and That's why I think yeah, a lot of people are going to be like, hey, you know what? Actually, I, I do kind of want this, but it just looks like a headache. Like, ah, you know, 99% of the time it's just going to work, but that 1%... Yeah, it's just going to be a headache. I'm just going to wait for the single CCD version. You know, I, I just think it, it, it's just, you know, it's just like when Alder Lake came out. Remember, uh, I heard this actually mentioned on um, uh, Broken Silicon Podcast, uh, Moore's Law is Dead. By the way, go over there, like, and subscribe. It's smash that subscribe button. 
uh, for Tom. He brought up like, yeah, remember all those games didn't work when the 12th gen came out. Remember all the legacy games and the DRM would get broken because of the, the, the E and P cores. There was like this huge list of like 35 legacy games that just would not run because the cop protection was broken on the, in the, in the hybrid design. Right. Of course, everybody was like, Oh my God. But you know what? That, how long did that last? And like, three weeks got patched gone right it was like there are things that are gonna, gonna get better they're gonna get more sophisticated we're just sort of starting here yeah some things is probably not gonna it's it's not gonna always not everything is going to be fixed but no, there's no such thing as a perfect product though i i think that's i don't understand why people want absolute perfection and they you, the, people want because they're paying seven hundred dollars. They want it to be perfect. Well, but I mean, the thing is, honestly, when you're looking, I mean, the, that's why I, I really wanted to, when we were talking about the gaming thing. It feels like the eight, like the thing that people use their PCs for, is like eighty percent of it is gaming, and it is very large. I don't know if it's eighty percent, but it's such it's so weighted towards gaming. It gets a little ridiculous at sometimes to me because it, it's I don't. Do you really need a Core i9 or Ryzen 9 to play games? No. Put all your basically <laughs> buy a mid-range, really good CPU, put all your money into your GPU. That like that math has not ever changed. I've been saying that for how long? We've been saying that forever. How long? Yeah. No, I, I, I and I really do feel uh, kind of bored with CPU reviews that just mostly focus on games because just like, eh, okay. Yeah, yeah and, whatever. <laughs> you know, and again, going back to the old days, you never thought about you never really thought about gaming. Like, who cares? Like, it's all about the... G I never could... We got to this weird thing when Ryzen came along. It was competitive, and we, we had to start looking at it again. You had to start throwing games at it and more games. Like, I don't... I never could get it because in most games... who Well, who early cared, Ryzen you know? did struggle with gaming, though. Yeah, it yeah, did, yeah. but I mean... But even so, it wasn't really... <laughs> let me see. I'm, it still well, wasn't, like, killer. Yeah. I, we use these... La I used these last, last time we had it, but uh, these are the charts... Uh, yeah, send it to the group. Um, so actually, you know, uh, uh, um, Gunga Din makes a good point. Uh, here we go. I'll, I'll, I'll throw that in again. There was a use case uh, between the 5800X 3D, which costs more, 5800X 3D or 5950X? They were actually, well, I mean, it depends because 5950X 3D or X was was more expensive at a certain point, 6 to 650 to 7, and you had 5950X 3D, which... People don't remember it came out at five hundred plus dollars. No, fifty eight hundred X3D came out at five hundred. Yeah. Yeah. So fifty eight hundred X3D came out at five hundred plus, and then it was like a couple hundred more for sixteen cores. So, but so, but which one? Which one played games better? Yeah, the cheaper one. Which is weird, right? You you usually you would think, hey, I'm going to throw the most money at it I can, and I'm going to get the best. At well, but again, some games because again, you don't. Not every single game gives you this. You know. You know, cash boost, right? Yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't know if anybody's played all also, fifty thousand titles on. And it depends on, on what resolution, yet, you know. Depends on run resolution. And what GPU? And, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I guess the thing is, like, there is no clear, clear winner for everything, and I don't mind that because I was just thinking about this the other day. You know what? Some people need a Prius. Some people need a F fifty one Raptor. Some people need, you know, a Corvette. Some people need a Subaru station wagon, right? So I mean, there's just like, you have, you have different products for different people because people have different needs suited for them. And I don't mind. I don't, I, I, if, are people really saying I want one thing that basically gives me the gas mileage of a Prius, 
the off-road performance of, you know, uh, uh, of an F-154 by four with an off-road package. Uh, and also I want electric drive. And then also I want the utility of driving around in Subaru. And also it signals like, oh, I'm driving a Subaru, those kind of people, you know, Do you, like, it's just like, you can't have one thing that does it all. And I see, I don't mind that. I mean, I, the people are like, cause like, it feels like they want to have, it's almost like they want the decision made for them, you know, because of like, okay, I, I can, I can tell you there was a certain point in time where I said, clearly, uh, you know, you might want to buy this over that 80% of the time, which is a really big win for, so for maybe for 7950 X3D, it's like, this is probably the thing you're going to want, what, two thirds of the time, right? I mean, it's just sort of like, but you just have different, you have different, different things that are, yeah. there's just no clear winner. So you have to now decide as, a, so now as a, as a consumer, I have to decide what's going to be better for me. Do I need, you know, I do, do I need that monolithic die of, of Intel? Do I need that P plus E? Do I, do I need that? That, you that know? means we're asking the internet to think more about what they need Yeah, and not, not just rely on somebody telling them what they should buy. Yeah. I mean, there is no clear winner. And I, in, in fact, it's, it is, it is true because it gets a little muddier because again, if you're pursuing high core counts and you don't really play games, you know, 7950X is a really good honestly great value buy because it's a it's a great price and it has been really really amazingly affordable and if you don't play games that's actually a pretty legitimate buy so like that's an option you x3d x do i wait for the 7800x do i do a 1300k do i do an i5k do i you know i7k and it's just like i actually just don't mind that you have all these great choices because now yeah you can the great thing is all the numbers are out there. You can research it and you could you can you can basically pick the perfect tool for what you are doing. And that's that's great, you know? And and I guess the the bad break is like if you want something that's like I need monolithic die, but I also want the the X three D cache and then I you know, and this other and but I also want the efficiency, there you may not be able to get that. So Maybe that's, I don't know if that's what's, I don't understand it some of, sometimes. Do so. you want to show the single thread or the multi-thread? Well, let's do, I actually kind of think the multi-thread isn't multi kind of interesting. Okay. Once again. Oh, yeah. And no, we I, did I, this. I, I remember this, yeah. Wait, so why are we showing this again? I just want to show this again because I don't. Because <laughs> Gordon loves charts. We I love charts. We cannot have an episode without charts. I don't understand why this is so hard for people to get. And I, I just want to say this again because. This is what you're gonna get. You're gonna. This is basically the Cinebench R. Oh wait, that's the one T. We're gonna look at all T, right? Yeah, so we're yeah. gonna look at all all core load for an eight core Ryzen seven five thousand part versus sixteen core seven thousand parts. Oh, it's not okay. Uh, yeah, yeah no, it's, no, it's on there. It's, it's on there. So again, look, um, fifty eight hundred X three gonna go in the Hall of Fame. I said this again. It gets its butt oh, handed oh, wait, to wait. it. By the 16 core parts, easily, all day. Is its fortune going to change on the 7,000? It's definitely, the 7800X3D will easily outperform the 5800X3D, right? In a CPU load. That I, am, is, I am curious to see where it falls in here, though. Well, because yeah. you can imagine it's basically going to be probably half of the X3D, a little less than half. So, like, you figure it'll be like, 18,000, yeah. you know, you can like, so you're going to get a bump because... You you got a really legitimate increase in performance going five thousand. This is basically it. If seven seventy eight hundred X three D is going to be a terrible CPU compared to the high core count parts, if you need more core counts, 
That's it. That's like all you got to know, right? Like, I don't know. It's not going to. Yeah, you can take it what, It's almost like people don't understand that this is like it's an eight core CPU. It's not going to go up against a 16 core CPU or a 24 core Intel CPU. It's just not going to. In gaming, it's going to be awesome for gaming because in in vast majority of games, you don't need more than eight cores to run it. So I I think it, it, it it's also I don't know I I'm sorry uh, and I know we're harping on this, but I I can't get over the amount of people when the 5800 X3D was announced for months and months. Where's my 5950? Oh, we even did a whole video. We had Where's to do a video. Where's my 5950 X3D? Where is my 5950 X3D? so many comments yeah and now that it's here <laughs> what is it who is this for <laughs> why do we have this who would want this <laughs> yeah and that it just, just feels so weird. it is yeah it does feel weird <laughs> well and then it's just one of those things like wrap my brain around it <laughs> it's really like because you know because the, the people are gonna go like ah oh, you know david didn't really say where they were gonna do like a dual stack part like you know maybe we will because he, he can't say because you know honestly I swear to God, like if you're AMD and like, hey, go back to the team. You have that big Zoom meeting. Like everybody says, we gotta do these stack parts. All right, let's do it. It seems like Dude, it's gonna it, be a price. And then it's they damned if you do, damned if you. Well, because if they came out with it and like, oh look, actually look, the performance actually drops even more because of that lower clocks now on both dies. And you and, know, and actually, it's more dollars. Why did you make the dual stack? Because I know waste the silicon. <laughs> yeah, we. I mean, because when we did a whole video where we interviewed them, like. Are we going to see a 5950X 3D and a 5900X 3D part? Because that's what everybody wants, right? Yeah. And it was like, no, because it doesn't make business sense because you saw the 5800X 3D first 5800X. is like, yeah. it's just not, yeah. it's just not, it's not yeah. there. So, I, I, yeah, I don't. Anyway. I think people just need a little perspective. Oh, you know, good point. Al Bundy says, to be, to be fair, what people were wanting in the 5950X 3D was Vcash on 2 not just one. So maybe that's where the confusion is too, is that, hey, I got my 5950X3D in the form of 7950X3D, but only one of the dice had, had Bcash. Yeah, but I, mean, but I mean, again, it was a decision. I It's pretty clear it's made because you I, you give it more single-threaded performance. I, 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 th I think it makes sense. I, yeah, like, like yeah, I think, who, who knows? I mean, what, yeah, I'm sure they're probably looking at it. They have the numbers and they're like, for gaming. Okay, so if, the, if what the internet's saying is, hey, I just want gaming, and I just want a 7950X3D with two two stacks on both. I wonder what the uplift in gaming is, if any. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe, I, maybe you know, over over the 7950X3D that we have right now. You mean what, if they'd done a what? A, a, two, two stack dice. Like for, it, oh. it, it sounds like people are saying, hey, you know what, just for gaming, I want two stack dice. Just for gaming, why don't why can't I have that? Well, why why did why did why do they have a two a hybrid approach? Because I don't care about that. Who would want that? I want them on both because I just game. Well, it's well we don't know because we we don't have it. But it it sounds like their own models like it wasn't worth it because again, ninety percent of games don't need more than sixteen threads, right? So you basically stick you basically it's it's like you have a seventy eight hundred X three D plus a 7800X next to it, right? That's what we we basically have here. Yeah, yeah. So how is that a, necessarily a bad thing? Yeah, I, if you had done two 7800X3Ds and performance didn't get any better in those games, because it's not like it's going to really make a difference, and then the cache doesn't help any... And of course, you know, the, if you think about the scenarios where you're 
you're gaming on so you you're gaming heavily on your 7800x 3d but you're doing obs and you're doing cpu host encodes what's going to do better a 7950x 3d or a 7800x 3d i'm gonna guess the 7950x 3d because you basically have 16 physical cores versus eight physical cores isn't that i mean isn't that like yep. isn't that still better than just simply hitting that wall of running out of of cores when you're doing it yeah i mean obviously are you really going to be doing cpu based in code if you only have an eight core cpu but i mean you no no but no, i mean no, I, probably not i again i i don't know if i should repeat this or not because i people keep saying this but they basically they did the math and it just wasn't worth it and yeah, then also and who knows maybe they maybe they will come out and they're like all right sure you say you want it here it is well but, I, but the price is probably going to be more because you know i just i i guess i'm a little afraid like if they actually did it would people understand because i there there i i have been given examples by vendors where everybody says oh i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna bring this conversation up but i'm not gonna name the person because i didn't ask permission to say like they said like look why aren't you making these high-end micro ATX boards? We need high-end micro ATX boards. We want high-end features in micro ATX. High-end, you know, high-end $500 micro, everything. We And they made it, and like, you know what? None sold because nobody wanted to, like, everybody <laughs> says this. Everybody talks the talk when they're like on their forum or on Twitter, like, yeah, I'll tell you, I'll totally put down. And then you come out with your product, and then you basically get left with the warehouse of these things that, and then honestly, they're going to be like, oh, Oh, so you we made this because you said the community said we want it, and they they said they would buy this, and then they didn't come and through. They didn't. It, it, it's business, and it, and it it's happens. Business, this, man. This has happened to many, many because you don't know. You really no. Everybody talks a good talk, but then they they're yeah. like you don't know. It, yeah, I I just I people asking for the dual CCD parts with stack V cash. I, I I really hope if they do that then you actually you put your money where your mouth is because i honestly i don't know because sometimes i think people are gonna like oh you know what oh i'm oh, giving yeah. up now i'm yeah, giving actually, up well, yeah, yeah. like 70, I, yeah. 78 7950x3 is already like what five five percent slower than 7950x and you're looking at probably 10 12 percent over intel those slightly third attacks you know photoshop mm -hmm. even premiere Okay, now it's ten percent, twelve percent, fifteen percent slower. Yeah, people can go like, whoa, you know. And then yeah. I don't really get a pickup in games because no games are really using all those stack dies. Then what? Yeah. I think it's it makes a lot of sense. Is it? You know, I, I, you know, I yeah, I, I think I'm like after that initial shock wore off because we did hear the news at CES and we we're like, oh, I think we oh, were yeah, we, we were, were assuming also, we, we were also assuming it was going to be on both. And then and then when they told us, we were like, oh, it's just oh, it's just on one huh okay and then they explain to why it's like oh wow okay this might be the best of both worlds wow this okay huh right and then also to be fair if you're a company you find the strength of it and you market that right because yeah if they had they clearly they said like yeah if we do a dual stack part and performance is 15 percent slower than intel what do you say right it's yeah we can 15 percent lower in performance in your lightly threaded tasks and Photoshop and browsing versus Intel, but the gaming is 20% faster. That's, does it get you ahead? You know, yeah. I, I think it, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Uh, well, VC, a friend of the show, VC Jester said, uh, the internet went, went from, you only need four cores to, I need 16 V cache cores like that. <laughs>
Because, I mean, even even back when I started, you know, and I haven't been this that long, I do remember a lot of people, oh, yeah, four cores is all you need. Yeah, four cores is all you need. Yeah. You know, and I, I think actually kind of a realistic assessment of this, although we'll see what happens now that Intel looks like it, it's getting frisky with, with HEDT, high-end desktop parts. But, I mean, the fact they're, Threader Pro is basically a professional product aimed at professionals. It kind of makes sense because Threadripper was really this like insane CPU at the time, right? Blew everybody's mind, 16 cores, 32 cores, 64 cores. Yeah. I mean, it's just like the mileage AMD got out of that was amazing. Yeah. But I'm going to guess that the actual consumer appeal was very, very low and that the actual numbers sold were actually still small enough that it didn't make sense, especially when you can sell them to professionals with sort of the higher cost of making a more expensive board with more channels and that just made more sense. Yeah. But like HEDT is kind of one of those examples of like, who's buying this stuff? But, you know, Intel's done the same thing because they were, they've been pushing HEDT and a lot of the boards built around those Xeon parts were insane and those high-end Core i9 boards were nuts. And then what we're seeing for the Sapphire Rapids boards, <laughs> those are, those things are kind of like reminding me of the X, the Xeon, the, 3175 parts is like that's nuts right this is like super high-end overclocking performance board how many are you really selling of this thing like uh, you know does it make money or it's just kind of one of those pride things like like you know i don't know about that yeah. you know i really think like like again like david really talked about like you know the, the teams they they want pride like nobody is like happy making just a little lousy you know shit box right like you're making like you're making it the you go and like your entire existence, your parents paid for you to go to engineering school. You're a mechanical engineer. You're a top of their top of your class. And you're going to, you're, you're like, you're basically building this economy box. That's that nobody, nobody cares. It's got plastic seats in it. It's just like roll up windows. There's no pride there. There's a reason why GM and Ford make the Mustang and they make the Corvette, Right. <laughs> And they don't sell a lot of them, and I don't even know if they break even or not, but the engineers and the, the pride that that brings the company to go out, when it's, when Chevy kicks the ass on Ford or Ford kicks the ass on Chevy, that's a big deal. Like, they cheer about that. They really like that. I think that brings that kind of, like, pride you have to do, do, even though it's probably not worth it. And, of course, the press, everybody's happy because Corvette versus Mustang or whatever, or this muscle car versus that. That actually has some value. I, I think that's what Core i9 versus Ryzen 9 very much is. Even though, again, they're not the bulk of products sold. Uh, I do have a, a good question from... Uh, the, oh, no, it scrolled away. Well, that's the thing, Gordon. If they don't want to oh. buy a sports car, guess what else people can buy? A coupe. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, no. That's not even going to that. Uh, no, I love that. God damn it, Will. Yeah, uh, no, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, I just I just know like oh nice Celica <laughs> I like that. Uh, uh, what well, they didn't have a super when you went in? That's like oh the super. You know how much that costs? No, I got this. I got the Celica. <laughs> you know, uh, Nami Taku uh, asked: uh, Is 3D vCache benefits going to suffer with higher frequency? Is there a future for 3D vCache tech? Is is really the question? And they're referring to hey. The problem is you stack the, the 3D vCache on top, it's going to lower clocks by nature of it. Uh, so is there even a future for that? Should we even be chasing that? But I, I will say the 5800X 3D clock speed was uh, topped out at 4.5. Yeah. Um, and the uh, I, I can't find it here because the, the actual chart 
references the the non-stack die, so five seven on the the seventy nine fifty X three D. But do you remember what the the CCD with the stack part? I think it's five. Up? Okay, so, so they're both so, five. They're basically yeah, yeah. so so I like yeah. So there is, I mean, that's that's half a gigahertz improvement from the fifty eight hundred X three D to to this one, assuming it's going to be the you know same same core. Well, yeah, you're getting higher. I mean, again, you benefit from a higher clock. You're benefiting from increased IPC because there are some under the hood changes, yeah. and also you're benefiting from the socket simply isn't. Power yeah. limited as the original AM4 was. It's not ancient like that. So, so, so yes. Is there a future for 3D Vcash tech? Even though, it, even though it will always suffer against higher frequencies. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I think that those improvements. I mean, they'll just lag behind the the non-stack parts, right? Well, I mean, but, but things will continue to go forward. Like, like we'll probably keep. It's not like the 3D Vcash is going to always say, "Hey, you know what." We're just never going to get over five gigahertz with three dB cache, like no matter what. I don't, you know. Again, that's that's when you yeah. you get deep into the the fab fab nerds and all that. I, I who knows? Maybe there's there's there there was the original stack part. They this is their second version. You know, I, I think there's as they say, there's learnings they can take. Who knows? Right? You never yeah. know the the magic yeah. of of the engineers, like Starfleet engineers, can always find some way to make things better. So it is entirely possible yeah. they. They're, find yeah. a way to increase the performance of it. I, but, never uh, say never, yeah. right? I, I don't know. I, I, just, I really think the future is going to be weird and interesting and there's going to be these hybrid CPUs. I mean, who knows what's coming out with Meteor Lake and just different configurations there, you know, and, and we, we have, this is AMD's first attempt at a, at a, uh, not asynchronous, what, what is it, a, like, you know. Asymmetric or a, asymmetric, hybrid. It's hybrid. Not, yeah, it's yeah. not really hybrid. It's, you but, know, but it's asymmetric. You, you have two different yeah. dies in different configurations. Well, you could also imagine like going forward, like maybe they, you know, right now the, what the eight, you can get eight cores in the, in the CCX. Hey, maybe 10 or 12, right? Maybe you can pack a few more in there. And then do you really need more than 12 cores for gaming? No. And then who, who knows? We don't really, we don't know what the future brings. We don't, we don't, if, if we did, we would be like in uh, back to the future. Would you, if you knew what the future would bring, would you go back in time? Like a like bifted and back to the oh future. what would I do yeah <laughs> I don't know hmm would you go back in time and 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 bet it, w it was a World Series that he was betting on oh yeah of course I'd be totally crooked I mean like <laughs> seven, who wouldn't <laughs> what is wrong with McFly you can go back in time like you would want to go back and be rich <sighs> everybody would be crooked although you know I I I want to point out the interesting thing and I I didn't get a chance to get back to it David had a really good point and. And it's interesting that it was, it's so baked into my own bias that, because I'd been reading so many internet comments that I said, why was Ryzen 7 7800X3 delayed, right? Why did you delay the launch over the other one? It wasn't delayed. Well, but I mean, they like- They announced it that way. Well, but yeah, see, the thing is, how can I say it's delayed? It's not delayed if it was always planned that way. We're going to launch this product first, and this is going to come in second, right? Because who knows why, again, you you can't yeah, just a, simply a, a, populate everything on the store shelves at the same time. You have to get everything here. Well, I think there's a difference between a, a, a delayed announcement. If they would have announced that all the parts were came, coming, and then they actually said, eh, sorry, we have to update that and delay it, that no. would have been one thing. But yeah, no, what, what people are theorizing is that, hey, you know what, by design... They're launching the 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 part that most people want later to try to get more sales out of these parts. Yeah, and 
you know, I, but again, I, I don't, we sort of assume that it's right that they actually did delay it. We don't know that because again, that, that could have just been the plan intentionally. Like these, those, those parts are coming after I, and these are coming first. I, I was listening to uh Baroque and Silicon, uh, the, the newest episode and, and, uh, they were saying, well, actually, what if one, uh, what if some parts came by air and some, some parts came by sea? Oh, six weeks is how long it takes to ship by sea. Maybe they, they did the, the lower margin parts by sea so they didn't have to eat the cost in transport by air. Yeah, no, that, that kind of makes sense. I, I have no idea on that, but I'm just saying that's, that's what they were saying on, on their podcast. So, yeah, I mean, you're, you're always, and I'm going to tell you all companies are going to plan the PR for the thing that makes the most sense for them. Right. So that's, we don't really know unless you actually see the, the memo that comes all the way down from the top, we're going to do this. And unless you can get that, you know, you, the, the PowerPoint that, that shows everything, I don't, I don't think we would know, but yeah, I do think it's, it just shows the, I feel like, oh yeah. Why the hell did I say it was delayed? Because was it even delayed? We the don't know. I got to you, Gordon. <laughs> uh, anyway, we, we should, we should probably get out of here. Uh, it was a fun, fun little special episode. I think we'll be back with our normal bat time next week. What is next week? Yeah. Do we have a holiday next week? Wait, why do I think we have Monday off? Is no. There? No. Oh. I thought we have a Monday off coming up. Anyway, anyway. Uh, real quick, let me yes. just get through uh, a few super chats. Oh, uh, what I missed. see. Uh, 10 Canadian dollars from Warren. Thank you so much. Great interview today. Thank you, guys. Hey, thank no, thank you, Warren. <laughs> thank you, thank we, you. We know Warren. We've met Warren. <laughs> Uh, previously, a $5 super chat from a friend of the show, Feasy Gesture. Uh, when will Elena Yi be allowed to interview Lisa Su for being the most influential woman in the modern PCs? Yeah, we should ask that to David. That's, uh, <laughs> that definitely yeah. would have gotten answered. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Yes, yeah. thank you for all the super thank chats. You. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, cool. Uh, Gordon, you know, I, I'm going to tease some, some testing we have coming up. We've got some videos that, that have been waiting in the chamber for a bit. Uh, it's kind of a little, little more silent, but you just got in your first PCIe Gen 5 drive. Uh, we, we bought it off Newegg and it, it, it came straight to, straight to my doorstep. And I said, here you go, Gordon, let's do some testing on this. What, what are you, what are you excited for about PCIe Gen 5? I... I'm excited to actually populate a Gen 5 slot because, you know, it's one of those things where you do like you, we've had these shiny Gen 5 PCIe slots for a while. There's no Gen 5 GPUs. There's no Gen 5 SSDs. Well, and, now there is. Well, now there is. <laughs> so that's why I'm actually excited because you sort of like, when you finally get there, like, Ooh, and I, I'm going to guess I'll be disappointed in a lot of ways. And in, in real, hey, realistic, bigger bar will be better, probably. Well, that's the thing. Is like, what is the bigger bar? Is it going to? I'm actually trying to run some real world testing on it, but it's yeah. it's going to be. It's cool that you can do it, and it's just simply that you can do it. It's like, would you regret? Do you regret populating any Gen four M dot two slots with Gen Gen four? Like, aren't you happy to actually at least Gen four drives were nice, right? And it was. Oh yeah, yeah. A I, lot of people. Uh, I mean, I I use uh, SK Hynix P4 Platinum P41, the maker fastest in class SSDs, <laughs> uh, for my Gen 4 drive. Uh, but yeah, I mean that is the question, and I mean, we have somebody asking um, uh, Bob Jones, friend of the show, Bob Jones. What's the max speed of Gen 5? I don't know off the top of my head. Maybe you do, but also I, we do know the drive that we just bought is not the max speed of Gen 5. No, no, it's uh, it's, it's it early is, days. 
In fact, the model itself, it's the Gigabyte uh, 10,000 drive. Yes, yes. So it's a Gen 5. Like, it's interesting to me, the actual model is, like, like it's so... Model number is 10,000. <laughs> its model number is 10,000, which kind of tells you where it's going to come in. It's going to be 10,000, which is, again, that's going to be a nice increase over, say, this the 6 to 7 of, of a lot of uh, Gen 4 drives, where they kind of top out. Uh, Gen 5 should take us to, what, technically... Max throughput, of course, you lose a lot, but at 14, but you're not going to be 14, like probably 12, right? Yeah, so yeah. I, I think uh, probably 12 you'll be happy with, but it's just so funny. Like, it's like, it's like literally the actual sequential read, write speed, read speed that you will see in the popular benchmark that everybody runs will probably be 10,000. So that's what you're, so that's our model number. Yeah. Imagine if, um, Imagine if the the new line of of CPUs, the the Ryzen nine, forty thousand, because that's the, the 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 speed it got in in Cinebench. <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> uh, that would be funny. Anyway, uh, new tech uh, asked, does it come with a gi gigantic cooler? I think it does. I didn't open the box. I gave yeah. it to you. Yeah, it does come with a gigantic cooler. So that I mean, that is one of the. I know you're you're going to do tests on speed, but I do wonder if there's a way to look at at heat. Uh, you know. Well, I think the thing to do, I think in the, as a practical test, the thing to do would be to test it with the motherboard cover, right? So you, so all the motherboards have Gen Five slots. They have basically your, your. Although I've kind of trashed a thermal pad on mine, but it has this big honking piece of aluminum. I guess to see is whether it's going to thermal throttle with the motherboard cooler, oh, know, the heatsink. Yes, you should. Well, you should do right. three. One, one with no no cooler attached at all yeah one, one with the included motherboard uh and then one with the the, the one that it yeah, yeah it came with which is i mean it, it does have a heat pipe and, and fins i mean it's it is it is nuts yeah um, and they all so that might be kind of interesting try yeah we should do that it'll be interesting i i really need to because i don't really get too much into storage or follow the the storage space yeah we're not going to be reviewing it i i wonder if some of it is marketing in a way what what's marking this? Well, or? because you know how it's like, it is like sometimes it's like well the the cooler that they put on there is the, everything we've seen broadcast at CES all the test demos they look just stupid. <laughs> We're like, what could you like? Is it like six inches of aluminum stacked on this M.2? It does look crazy. Every single one is like is is looking that says everybody sort of assumes like wow these things must like they must heat up like crazy right. But I just kind of wonder. That's the signaling so far, yeah. But then I, I, at a certain point, it actually becomes a marketing thing. Oh, this is so fast. You're going to need a huge cooler. No, not even that, but like you, so you like, okay, we're going to, so you're, you're designing your, M, I'm just going to imagine that the M.2 company, your, your storage company, you're like, let's, here's what they, they came back. The thermal engineer says, use this cooler for it. It's the cheapest one we can get. That's blah, blah, blah. Use it. You come out and it's like, it looks kind of silly, but. Check out the competitors. The two other competitors, theirs are an inch taller than ours, right? And then, like, everybody's going to be like, whoa, why is our cooler smaller than theirs, right? And that really does, sometimes you're kind of like- Maybe, maybe. You know how people buy things, they legitimately go like, whoa, why is this one got- Like, if you saw a, a Gen 5 SSD with just, like, a normal, small cooler, I mean, they're still honking stupid big on the Gen 4s, but if that was enough, and you actually saw it next to each other, would you go like, 
what's wrong with this one? It must be slower, right? That's a regular person might go, it must be slower. Why has it got a smaller cooler, right? A bigger video card is faster. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, and I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to use your car analogy. If I have two muscle cars in front of me, and one has a normal hood, and the other one has the hood with the cutout and the carburetors lifted out, I'm gonna want the one with the carburetor yeah. lifted out. Well, because aggressive. I mean, it's a real marketing thing where more aggressive vents, scoops, all the stuff that you see in a car that works that works on people, and it's honestly you have to pay for that. You pay extra for it. It looks more aggressive. And it is it is kind of silly, but that's why like I'm mean, when I go like I I sort of assume that they put these stupid big coolers on it because they run hot, but I I sometimes wonder it just spins out of their control where they just have to meet what the competitors do. <laughs> that would be funny. like I don't understand why some of these 4090s are so big because it seems like they've over provisioned so much it's just stupid. Like it's they're you're they're paying a price so premium. At some point, someone is going to go look. We can actually run this, get reasonable cooling and performance with this much smaller cooler right somebody's got to do that but then the price isn't going to go down so and then you look like you're weaker because your cooler is smaller and you Maybe, know i know people yeah. go well that's stupid when you go and buy a budget gpu it looks like the size of my phone right well and, and then if, you, if buy you buy the a budget one, motherboard i mean it, it, it's got no you know extra pieces of flare on it how many pieces of flare you know well and yeah. it, are you are you the bare minimum pieces of flare and it works, right? Because the the motherboard that has all the additional, you know, aluminum clad on it really looks cool and it looks aggressive. And the regular, remember, not everybody is like going to a gamer's Nexus video and like looking at some like, you know, 400 data point recording of the of the VRM cooler or something. <laughs> and then with the Schlieren and then some like pressure thing, they're just like, they just go look, they're looking at it on the picture on the motherboard side. It's like, oh, I like the way this one looks. And honestly, that's... I, I, I do care about looks. I do care about... It. Yeah. Sue me. Uh, anyway, uh, front of the show, Dr. Ian Cutris, Tech Tech Potato is here. Hello. Uh, th thanks for joining us, but we're, we got to go. <laughs> Sorry, Ian. Now, now that Ian's Sorry, here, Ian. yeah, rewind the tape. Next time. Just <laughs> Next time. We've got to yeah, have rewind. Ian on. We haven't talked to him in yeah, a little while. it's been a while. Yeah. Uh, well, VC Jester was talking about uh, uh, Steve. Uh, we we need it's it's literally been years since we've had uh, Steve on too. We should have Steve on anyway. Yeah, let's wrap it up. I didn't think it was going to go this long, but we oh. did. We're just sitting here talking, chatting. You know, Gordon or, uh, Will, Willis hasn't hit the stop button yet, so no. he's got to cut us off. <laughs> All right, I'm in it. Done. Yeah, take I will us take out us out. Here. Get us out of here. Are we back next week? Yeah. We we better be. All right. Because you said there's a holiday. <laughs> well, no, I, I, th I thought maybe I, next Monday was a holiday. Actually, no. Sunday is uh, daylight savings. So don't forget to spring your clock forward uh, if, you, if it applies to you. <laughs> Wait, is it daylight saving or daylight savings? Daylight save saving. Because I, I remember this entire episode of Veep. <laughs> he hasn't gotten I, I, an episode? No, no, no. I finished the series. Oh, okay. We're done. All right, yeah. all right, all right. Weird ending. I didn't necessarily like it, but anyway. Oh, come on. Uh, or actually, it's plural. Daylight savings. Daylight savings. Savings, yeah. Is it savings or savings. is it saving? I thought it was saving. <laughs> it was an entire thing where they kept telling no, no. Jonah, daylight, daylight savings. Yeah. And, daylight uh, savings. And actually, I think it's daylight saving. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's no S. Singular. Oh, okay. It's a singular. No, no S. Daylight saving. So it's daylight saving. Daylight saving. You're saving just one time. Yeah, yeah you're saving was, the daylight. They were, remember they were telling Jonah, daylight saving. Kent was correcting him. Yeah. No, no, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Check back next week for your fix of PC Talk on the Full Nerd. For audio listeners, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. Send questions and comments to thefullnerd.pcworld.com. Also, leave a review if you're on one of the services. Every time you do, someone actually said says daylight saving correctly instead of daylight savings. Thanks for coming. I'm Gordon Ung with... 
Well, David McAfee's gone already, but we thank him for coming and Bye, clarifying David. some stuff. <laughs> and Patrick Murray sitting next to me. Uh, you know what? You're right. Why do we still have daylight saving? I, no I thought idea. we voted that out. I thought... I voted. I voted. There's a democracy. I voted, and it's not. And it's By the way, here. watch Veep on HBO if you got it. It's an awesome. I just series. finished it. It's, it's, it's awesome. good. Anyway, yep. Thank you. Bye. And uh, no, wait. And uh, Willis Lies can hit the off button. I don't forget it that I'm on the kids table slash uh, producer chair. So I'm yeah. just saying bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Don't forget to uh, set your clock forward again forward uh, so you don't miss our show not everybody and uh, everybody not for everybody uh but yeah don't forget to do that and then uh, yeah don't miss our show we'll see you next time bye